0: Welcome to the IBM Interconnect 2017 podcast series. We're coming to you from sunny Las Vegas. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Steve Adiri. Now, I'm going to quickly introduce you, Steve. Uh, uh, You're a regular tweeter. You've been online since uh, 2008, I see from your profile. You've got a solid following of about 4,100 followers. And you describe yourself as a strategic advisor focusing 100% on AI startups you live in Olympic Peninsula in uh, outside Olympic uh, uh, Washington State uh, here in the USA, and uh, there's a quote that I grabbed from your profile that says that you are, uh, in one line, you connect and illuminate the dots that matter for a business strategy, funding, go-to-market, customer and partner engagement. Welcome to the podcast. How Thank are you enjoying the show?
1: Thank you, Des, for that very tight, succinct introduction, and uh, that pretty much uh, depicts you know, what I, what I do and operate. So how am I enjoying the conference? Uh, I was at both InterConnect uh, uh, 2016 and World of Watson, and uh, what I, my takeaway from the high-level view is, is I was very impressed with um, the messages were, uh, the key messages in terms of you know, keeping data simple, getting inspired. Empowering teams. We'll focus on that one a little bit further, and then building hybrid cloud. I'm, we're we're seeing the manifestation. My 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 uh, overall takeaway is that I'm seeing real instances of IBM delivering, you know, on the promise of cognitive computing, with nice tighter synergy. Of course, it needs to get tighter further, but across the cloud story to IoT and so on. So that's that's impressive.
0: If you were going to introduce yourself in a speed dating form. Um, how would you describe yourself in 60 seconds?
1: Okay, so, <clears throat> so you, you got the thumbnail, and I'll just hit the point lines on that. I've been an a, a advisor for, for uh, 20, 20 plus years, and uh, it's, the focus has been, was across different startups, but four years ago, I made the concerted effort, kind of, I saw this tsunami coming. And I said, I'm gonna get, you know, well, maybe not a tsunami, a big wave, because you're a surfer from Australia, right? <laughs> Everyone so, Exactly, so I saw the big wave come in and said, I'm gonna get on this AI wave, and that's exactly what I did. So I really dialed in to, and my, my expertise is really working with early stage software startups. So, so the key, th- what I look for is really how, how to, you know, as you describe, right, how to shape the business strategy, the messaging, and get funding, go to market, and tie them to a key, you know, minimally one partner ecosystem. And the ones in my current lineup of six AI startups, two of them are IBM Watson plays. Wow. So we'll talk about it more in terms of what I you know, um, uh, met up with in terms of financial services, healthcare, which is, which is really kind of a, um, a successful outcome of delivering on what I espouse to do as, as an AI advisor and a merchant alike.
0: Well, that's actually a nice segue into my next question for you. And that was, you know, what what was your biggest OMG moment from the event so far? Um, And when we were talking before I hit record, you you mentioned that uh, you saw the Watson Financial Services team here in Las Vegas demonstrate how they're delivering cognitive services in the key vertical market around financial services and and the industry in particular. Um, What can you tell us about what you saw there and and, and your general takeaways from it? Exactly. So, so... This was a new service, evidently. It was just
1: uh, uh, architected um, in like a couple of months to get ready for yeah. Interconnect, which is very impressive. And um,
0: they admitted they weren't coders, right? And they were not coders. Yeah. This
1: was just this was really taking kind of you know functional architecture, some yeah. Python scripting, and putting it together. But the the the, the, the most impressive piece is uh, is the fusion between the IBM BlueMix and functional microservices to be able to, you know, to, you know, to, you know, classify, categorize, package together. It's really showing how to create the holistic architecture of data aggregation, enrichment, you know, standing up, you know, application services with microservices. We saw it there and it was, it was very, very impressive. And that was one of my key takeaways. Now, furthermore, I leveraged it even a bit further. So I said... Of course you did. Yes, of course I did. (laughs) I'd be surprised if you didn't. Exactly. So the thing that was really interesting, I said, you know, in AI, most credible AI players, you know, Watson and others, can address the who, what, uh, where, how. And that's important. But I said, you know, when I was looking at what they're doing in this IBM Cloud Financial Service, I said, you know, what's really the missing ingredient in Holy Grail? Is causal reasoning with context and time, and when I played that out, this is not a, you know a pitch for the startup that one of the startups I represent called Milo.com. They said, "Wow, I get what you're saying here." So we took that conversation to the financial cloud after party and had a had a had a very uh, convivial time, and there is going to be a, a follow up meeting to discuss this right. further.
0: Yeah. I remember, in fact, uh, there was a funny little segue here. The young guy was in a purple uh, jacket, <laughs> and uh, we asked him about his purple jacket, and he said that uh, he was uh, running around town that on a particular meeting and he gets in the cab and the right. cab he's like looks at his purple jacket and says respect and then the other gets to the meeting and everyone's like "Well, dude full respect and it turns out it was the day that Prince passed exactly. away exactly that, um, was, that, was, that was was just, just phenomenal cab- right it was a snappy dresser <laughs> he said something that really stuck with me and I, I actually wrote it down when I went back to my, my suite last night mm-hmm. he said that they weren't coders um, and they developed APIs right yeah and, and I think for me that was quite a significant takeaway, that that non-techie, non-developer people can grok APIs and grasp the concepts of how to plug into microservices, as you said, on Bluemix, and consume the likes of Cognitive and Watson as a service. Do you think that is the trend now? Do you think that we're seeing people come from a non-technical pedigree who can grok technology? and put it to good use for their own purposes. Is that, is that what we're seeing out there now as a trend?
1: I think that is spot on is the trend. It's the trend that, you know, because first and foremost, data scientists don't scale. Period. Right, right. So so, so by, you know- My stomach
0: might argue with you, but anyway.
1: <laughs> okay, but I mean, sure, there's always yeah. the need, but in terms of scalability, this was a excellent example right. of being able to stand up a functional, impressive, very useful, you know, applications that's taking the infrastructure services, middleware services, you know, in, in, you know, cloud, Mm, others, right? So it's really, it's really coalescing all of that into something to where, hey, you know, you don't, you're lessening the dependencies, you know, on, on taxonomists, ontologists, data scientists, which is a good thing. And, and Joe and Jay Knowledge Worker are going to profit from this as these, as these uh, new services for financial services. I saw I saw, second to this, I saw something very impressive in healthcare. Right. Uh, so the product manager for, for IBM Healthcare is putting in, um, uh, you know, patient care, you know, where where they're using um, uh, text analysis, you know, leveraging the alchemy. And actually, they, what they've done, I, you know, which is very impressive, they're taking... Specialized coding in medical and embedding that into this version of NLP, oh, wow. so you can take medical records, and um, they are working, um, you know, with the big providers yeah. there to be able to um, merge, uh, you know, in other words, in a much faster fashion, be able to ingest that data, come out with what the patient records. These are the you know the key causes, the 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 concepts that you should focus on. So so the doctor. Has faster time to insights to yeah, be able to yeah. address that. So I saw indications of that. They're yeah. also like you know maybe you know at a similar juncture as far as starting to roll that into the marketplace, which I think is terrific.
0: You mentioned something that's quite hot at the moment, and and, and I'm going to let you explain it. NLP. Explain the acronym. Explain the significance of it, because I think folk listening in may have kind of missed that salient point. I think it's a really critical thing to touch on. Just a quick thirty second on NLP and kind of where you see it being a critical component of, of right.
1: What's okay. being built here? Sure. So NLP is, stands for Natural Language Processing. Yep. And um, there's also a, uh, a, 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 a corollary called Natural Language Understanding, which is a little more advanced. Um, so, so the whole point of, of uh, uh, it's so as you ingest uh, de, as you take text analytics, and that's essentially what's built in. One of the components of Alchemy you know, has an NLP mm. component. Um, so the whole point of it is, uh, like in the IBM Conversation uh, Manager, the Watson Conversation Manager, they they have. We even heard it here at the show ninety five percent accuracy as far as the, you know, as yeah. far as going you know uh, speech to text, which is which is impressive. So there's text to speech, there's speech to text, but the but the holy grail of all of this, you know, is to understand more of the nuances of of, of behavior. And and intense. Yeah. And 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 this is this is getting us to what what all the big players IBM and others are doing, is conversational understanding. Yeah. That's the holy grail. We're we're getting closer to that, but we're seeing you know really positive you know um, breakthroughs
0: along the way. Ginny Rometty, um impressed me more than usual at World Watson last year when she got on stage in, stage in front of more than 20,000 people and for nearly an hour and a half spoke about one of the biggest companies on the planet and some of the most complex technologies on the planet but she didn't geek out once right and the five key things I took away with it were all humanities you know medical uh, science whatever uh, uh, um, manufacturing um, music things that and, and I think this is where language processing becomes a big thing yesterday in her um, uh, uh, CEO and chairman's keynote, she, as you just outlined, she uh, quoted a couple of stats that I took away as well, and that she said look, um, humans make roughly 5% of error on anything they do, particularly language processing text, right? And apparently she said that Watson's at 5.5% accuracy uh, of, of uh, error rate. So that's like less, well let's say half a percent away from being supposedly human. Um, although, you know, I, I think we often conjure up images of what an AI looks like, and it's often a robotic format, but... Um, and that's getting pretty damn close to being so clever that you almost can't d- determine the difference of what's on the other end. It's like the Turing test level exactly. right stuff, which exactly. is interesting. I guess it's how we put it to use. Then it's a big question, isn't it? It is. A,
1: it's. It's really. It's. So look at the ramifications. This is why it's kind of a continuum. So you you're you're observing. So if you have the vision recognition, where you're yeah. uh, you know, understanding, you know, facial recognition yeah. and emotion detection, and then you have in a ambient, you know, form in the IoT, where you can, you know, so you observe, you listen, you have you have the sensors out there. You're starting to see, you know, industries, you know, like in automation for oil and gas, which is my first career. The whole point of this is, you know, is really um, allowing people now to focus more on the critical tasks. Um, um, I mean, like in the enterprise today. Uh, systems of intelligence are replacing mm. systems of record finally yeah that's impressive because one of my favorite quotes that I always use in 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 presentations is alluding to Peter Drucker the management guru uh and this should be a human pursuit and efficiency should be delegated to machines and, and as we're getting yeah. the adoption of AI across the board you know here's you know three three key points and I'll close on this for this segment is machines can attend to vastly more information and more complex processes than yeah. humans. Uh, yes, many jobs will be automated, but this will drive human capital to higher order, non-routine cognitive work. But the nexus, and we heard it here at the show, it's really, I don't even use artificial intelligence anymore. I, my favorite is augmented intelligence, because right. really it's a matter of where machines and humans work together and the outcome of that is things like faster time to insights, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and I think when you know if we look at it from a traditional enterprise uh, value proposition, what what I constantly get asked for, and I'm sure you do as well, is how do I just reduce the time to value? Correct. Yeah. You know, how do I? essentially make money out of this in many cases but not always I mean, sometimes it's how do I make my staff happier how do I make my customers happier I mean the whole uh, celebrity experience thing is just completely disrupted what right. MarTech AdTech sales etc it is and, and the other thing
1: correlating to that Des is, is really empowerment Yeah, people work at a higher we've talked about this yes during the, indeed the, 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 yeah people feel more empowered and where they, you know, you're you're depending on them. For, yeah, well, I have confidence in you. You can take the ball and run with it. Yeah. And I'm confident you can come with a positive outcome with more minimal guidance, which is terrific. So rather than just having overbearing managers, mm. we've all been through that before, oh gosh, yes. it says,
0: okay, if you're really not
1: adding value as a manager, what the hell are you doing there? Yeah, definitely.
0: And I think I've seen a real shift where uh, managers who are successful have provided the tools to let their staff uh, gain that self-empowerment, that self-direction, uh, particularly when it's the likes of tools from folks like IBM where you've got data-driven decisions. You know, folks walking around with large-format tablets right. with dashboards and making real-time decisions exactly. that are, you know what I mean?
1: And, and this is wonderful because remember, you know, for, for, you know, for years, you know, CEOs that said, I fell in my gut. Well, that'll make fine mm. and well, but for heaven's sakes, yeah. wait, are you with that? Da- obviously, you're not a data-driven
0: organization, No, then, so. no. And 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 too often, you know, even if companies thought they were data-driven, they were looking at PowerPoint presentations or spreadsheets that were from last month. Correct. And you know, how can I work to the future if I'm only getting historical data that's a month old? Exactly.
1: I'm glad you brought up that point because really, I've I've used this before. Yeah. I mean, right now, um, the future. Of businesses flow, it's getting faster, it's getting more yeah. real time, and the complexity is is getting enormous. So really, you're getting higher and higher degree of heterogeneity in your data sets from webs, from streams, in your enterprise systems, and it's a matter of if you can apply, you know, machine intelligence to be able to glean and process uh, text analytics understanding. Um, along the way this this relieves the burden of of you know of being able to you know classify categorize you know you know to get the enrichment yeah. so you, so so it's given you faster actionable data so you can make those decisions faster and smarter uh, faster Mom. and smarter
0: I do like those. I've just written them down, as you saw, but just so the folk are listening, I, I like the idea of you describing it as new flows, mm-hmm. speed is a given, right? But it's good Correct. to call it out. And complexity, and I think that kind of those three things wrap up into the kind of the, the new working model. To, to, to move on to another topic now, uh, the three key things that I've sort of taken away from this event that really been punched forward are... Enterprise Strong, Data First, and Cognitive at the Core. I'm really keen, if you don't mind, if we could kind of like do some rapid fire 30 second responses to each of those. Is that sure. okay? Yeah. terrific. So let me run them past you one at a time and just get your 30 second rapid fire response. In 30 seconds, what's your takeaway for folk listening in to the idea of Enterprise Strong? What does that mean to you based on what you've seen so far in the last couple of days?
1: So Enterprise Strong, and I touched upon it earlier, is the systems of, of of intelligence replacing systems of, of record, so so systems of record is only as good as the quality of human input. So 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 you really um, you know they're relying on you know you know human curated you know curated rules, rules that are by definition static, they become obsolete. So so the whole point of machine reengineering is that you're creating new new workflows, right? Where, where it has the potential to you know, augment on thinking, you know, you know, to have better understanding, improve operations, especially the more complex operations. Yeah. So the whole point of it is you're using this, this software so companies continue to learn from the data as conditions change. Awesome, nailed it. Uh, second one, data first. Data first, and this ties to some of the other thoughts regarding being data-driven strategy. For the reasons we've already cited, right, is that you're 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 you're, uh, you're lessening dependencies on, on on human curators. You're using machines to do that. Um, one of my, you know, the whole point of, of 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 a lot of this is, you know, and I and this is one of my quotes that I that I prepared for for uh, for our group here, the social analytics. Is machine intelligence is a prediction to technology. So as it as it improves human prediction skills will decrease. However, the value of
0: critical thinking and human judgment will increase. Love it. Third one, and uh, for me, this is, I think, gonna be a a longer tail version, uh, a topic rather, in that it's gonna take a while for companies to really grasp the value proposition that it offers, and consumers probably won't actually see it because it'll be under the hood. But in 30 seconds, rapid fire, cognitive to the core, what does that mean to you? So cognitive to the
1: core is really kind of this continuum I was talking about is as far as having, you know, integration from, you know, from data first, the enrichment in the cloud, you know, the APIs driven with microservices, where you're really improving the business processes, where machine, where you're really getting close, where you're getting the transformation of AI to augmented intelligence, frankly. Right,
0: right. Um, you, you and so I wrote down a couple of points that, that link to that, where you sort of mentioned the idea of machine to human and, and human to machine, and I think that really links in nicely what you just mentioned there. Um, I've actually got a screenshot that I took from the, the keynote we just attended uh, a, a while back this morning mm-hmm. around the data first uh, method. I'd like to just throw a couple of questions at you. They, they describe it um, as being a, a methodology or a framework that flows from, um, an initial briefing and, and vision of what you're setting out to do, a discovery workshop, a design and validation uh, process, implementation, and I imagine there's sort of an iterative process there, and then run and maintain. Um, is that what you're kind of seeing? H- have you seen that come about as far as that methodology goes uh, in other ways uh, as far as the agile approach to data? Is that, do you think that's a, a significant new innovation? or I think it's, a, I think it's
1: a, uh, an enhancement. Yeah. Uh, more of an enhancement, a, a healthy enhancement, because really, when you know, you know, um, the whole point of it is that uh, you know, the tools are are ever expanding in terms of you know, you know, data aggregation and enrichment, and then we're getting much more sophisticated instantiations of deep learning and correlation processes, right? That is identifying what's happening, and then you then you can process that, you know, with, with the methodology we talked about. And but I really think that this last part with causal AI is very very important. Causal AI, you know, which determines why things are happening, has the greatest potential to change why indus- how industries operate, yeah. business compete. I'm very keen on that, and which is why um, um, I look for opportunities to interleave, like Amilo.com, into financial services, into yeah. into media you know, to be able to, you know, AI with hyper-personalization, you're really getting down to understanding, I mean, this is a marketer's wet dream,
0: yeah, to, yeah, to, uh, to
1: understand, okay, if I know this person, I can not just sell them stuff, but understand what are their key triggers, what motivates them, mm-hmm. how I can, you yeah. know, and that's really that's really building this customer, you know, in, enhancement to, to a whole nother level, which I think is, uh, which is really, you know, uh, wonderful. Um, and the whole point of this is the other, the other theme I'm really keen on just as a, as a throw- in is I really think AI is becoming the new UIX and right. with this hyper personalization the IOT stuff with the sensors and so forth kind of disappears in the background yeah and it, and it just but it's there to help enhance the
0: customer the user experience yeah well the amount of data we're producing now is, is so beyond so far beyond uh, not just human com- comprehension, but human capacity to absorb and, and, and deal with. And we hear stories about autonomous vehicles producing four petabytes of data a day. Right. Um, you know, our interaction with these cars is not just our personal experience in traveling in them, whether they're autonomous or not. I mean, the new Audi uh, that we have has a, a Wi-Fi access point built in so that people can connect. You know, we don't Bluetooth with the car anymore, we Wi-Fi. Right. You're wi- <laughs> and as we're driving, it updates its maps in real time with sure. a built-in mobile phone that's connected to the backbone of the network. And, you know, I can't even conceive the amount of data that's going through that. I just see a little uh, map of me driving around and it it refers to a different uh, 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 blue line on the map. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, you hit on a good point there that um, the cognitive piece, and particularly the AI and machine learning piece, is going to draw out the pieces that we want to see, we want to know about, and it'll learn the context, it'll get domain-specific knowledge about what I want versus what you want, and the time and day that I want it, and when I want it, what, what I want to see when I get out of bed versus when I get at home, and you know whether it's breakfast or a meeting or, or lunch and dinner. Um, it's, rather, it's, it's it's spot on. Yeah. I just wanted to
1: emphasize yeah, no, that with do. one brief thought is that it's becoming your 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 a manifestation of the best personal assistant, yeah. which can predict your needs by knowing you, a personification yeah. of you, a whole lot better, and that's a good thing. It's really helping us. In, I don't like to do, right? If you can like relieve some of the menial tasks, the scheduling, meeting mm-hmm. people, and then you know, understanding you, you know, in terms of
0: your both personal
1: and business needs, that's a good thing.
0: And it goes back to that point that Ginny made uh, it sort of covered last year around just focusing on the humanities, I think, Yes. and that is you know, why are we building this technology in the first place? Why are we investing so heavily? Why is IBM completely pivoting its organization around these things? It's Because it's all about humans. It's all about people. So. The event themes in general, um, I mean, there's been a lot of them, but we, we spoke earlier on about the ones that are of particular interest to you, and I'm just going to recap them in point form and then throw to you to sort of comment on them. In um, particular, you mentioned that you, you love the concept of empowering people and teams, that you love the delivering on the promise of cognitive computing in particular, and the synergy between the, the whole Watson Cloud story. How do you see these themes playing out uh, in, in a day-to-day sense in what you currently do?
1: Right. So, um, so playing out in what in what respect? Let me I clarify <coughs> that.
0: Sorry, putting uh, essentially putting them into practice primarily, mm-hmm. and then maybe um, from a from a consumption point of view. So, in other words, um, let's just talk about the first one: empowering people and teams. What does that actually mean, and how how do you go about actually putting making that a reality? Right. So,
1: so uh, you know, so you know, certain organizations, some of which, of course, were here. That are doing like H and R Block, right? Yeah. Really, you know, that's empowerment to where that's they're they're, they're bringing in a you know the the customer to where it, you're you're creating more of a a you know interactive conversation yeah. with the H and tax advisor. I thought that was just wonderful to where it's all about um, engagement. Engagement is everything and the better you engage, the more people are typically satisfied. And if you're using yeah. machine assist to help with that engagement to create a very positive, you know, experience, I see all industries, H and R Block starting to adopt this because it's it's customer service is king yeah. and that builds loyalty. So the old way of saying, Why are people what well, I have so much churn, you know, these telecommunications companies, well, you really don't know your customers. Yeah. So so the burden is on you exactly. to know your customers and serve them better and you'll win.
0: H block was interesting. Actually, I was quite impressed with the the simple uh, Go to market message that the gentleman from HR block, whose name escapes me now, mm. um, gave us, and that was he showed a screenshot of two monitors. Yes. Now, for the rest of us with two or three monitors doing data science and analytics, we take that for granted. Yes. But he sort of explained that you know, the normal practitioner of a, of a tax professional had one monitor, and they put this new innovation of putting a second screen in place. Right. But the salient point was the second screen was for the client. Exactly. And that's the
1: engagement part. Uh, yeah. You know, so, so rather like, rather than just sitting there and playing with a smartphone, they you can put that your smartphone yeah. engage with me we'll have a meaningful conversation where we're using Watson to guide us but we also yeah. want your input and you'll feel better for that and more confident that this outcome will be will be positive
0: and i thought it was funny this you know like to them a second monitor was a major innovation <laughs> um, but what was interesting is that he, did, he didn't miss the the, the the most critical piece from my point of view is yeah okay we've innovated put a second screen it's for the 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 consumer and they're not going to play with the phone anymore but then he immediately uh, uh went into the key point for me anyway and that was that the engagement was for the consumer to talk to Watson effectively in a sense like that, you know Watson drew right. graphs on the screen and started to drill down from the 50 or 60 things that could be bought into this thing from the house and the car and then whatever it might be fire and risk to to, to these are the three things I think you should really focus on and, and now that engagement is not just seeing it on the screen but actually interacting with that screen and engaging with the system Um, that's right and and doing it though in a very natural way that's
1: the humanity where we're not you know mandating you to learn something everybody knows how to communicate whether it be through you know voice or you know text input um, that's that we're making it almost seamless to we to to be able to invite them in yeah. without encumbering them or worrying them that oh you know because I don't want to fill out a survey I want to have a con- conver- wrapping it in a conversation
0: is really is really the the way to go. And the interesting thing that he, he showed us in the demo that I had even though those screenshots was the tax professionals didn't have to be retrained. In a sense, because they just type the queries in plain English. Exactly. You know, what if I did this or you know, how does this right. affect me? I was really blown away by that. I mean, I love the, the innovation second monitor. I, I really got right. the value proposition of making that available to me as a consumer. And the, the other point it, on
1: it, the tax professionals had a bet more enjoyment because this was yeah. these are these a lot of these folks are Absolutely. retired folks. Yeah. And they're saying, I'm having more fun, rather than me just being a data clerk, so to speak, mm. I'm now forming, you know, a relationship with our customers and they're engaging more. So that's a good thing. (laughs) I think it's great. I'm just not ready
0: for my tax professional to be a hipster. (laughs) Uh, One of the other themes in particular that I want to just delve into quickly, um, delivering on the promise of cognitive computing. That's a fairly broad brushstroke. If we bring it down to potentially maybe um, one in particular, the startups, uh, which I was very fond of seeing the video that you shared with me because it had an Aussie actor as a voiceover, uh, was it Milo. Uh, can you Soul kind Machines. Of, yeah, can you kind of talk yes. about that and, and particularly yes. how the I guess the delivering on the promise of cognitive and, and where that was put into use with that startup.
1: Absolutely. So so the, the company um, is called the commercial spin out is called Sub Machines. They're right. a spin out of the laboratory for Animic technologies in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, you're part of the world, Des. <laughs> uh, and uh, Mark Sagar, the the founder, is just a brilliant, you know brilliant individual um, he's Academy Award winner special ex supervisor for King Kong*, Spider-man Avatar he, he was set up in the lab like four years ago I believe it was and he wanted to create a, um, a lifelike digital avatar uh, that was that had expressive emotional intelligence and that's exactly what he delivered on. And in this in this commercial spin up He's still doing, you know, wonderful research to put to the envelope, but the tie-in with Watson, when Watson got a hold of this, they were selling to uh, the organization that you know well, DIS, which is the, you know, yeah. their healthcare, right? And this particular effort was for the half a million um Australians with disability to be create a digital avatar for patient care to relieve the 100% burden on human healthcare assistance mm. and the beauty of this and uh, this is a great use case is your it's 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 going back to augmented intelligence and a manifestation of of not scary AI or just AI yeah. for entertainment or games but useful AI for a purpose to be a digital avatar to help be a friend, to guide, to be, you know, to be there 24-7 conceivably, and it's, this is being rolled out this year in Australia.
0: I'm going to get you just to quickly cover the um, the website address, because the video on the demo um, blew me away. I watched it three times in a row. What I saw was the, the, the individual in a, in a wheelchair interacting with the um, uh, the AI, uh, and the thing that struck me was that that whole human-to-machine-machine-to-human interaction again was um, it was a seamless transition from what I could see in the video uh, of a person sort of coming up to a screen and interacting and asking questions with a, with a human experience in it. Like I wasn't talking to an IVR on a phone, I didn't have to push star one um, and uh, it kind, I kind of it made the hairs on my arms stand up when I realized that uh, as you know, your, your, your uh, point before around delivering on the promise of cognitive, I mean your startup has already done that, yeah?
1: I would say so. I mean, when you when the whole point of 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 these engaging human like avatars Des, is to is to create something that has personality and character, with uh, uh, embodied cognition. Mm. Okay, so so the avatar sees you, hears you and through um, it's 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 not going to be out of the gate through conversational you know yeah, back to the conversation yeah. act, but through text chat it will be able to you know to communicate with human like expression yeah so how good is that oh, where, it's where and this is a subtle and and you know or, or even more dramatic you know emotion response so so it's, it's really tying upon the, you know, the emotional intelligence. And one of, my, the, one of the other quotes I, I provided is, I really think, in the terms of delivering on the power, uh, delivering on the promise of cloud computing, we can't forget about emotional intelligence. I yeah. think that's a key component of future AI going forward, because you can't, as AI becomes more sophisticated, you can't have human-like, uh, intelligence without personality emotions because Absolutely. people change their behavior not on information they change it on emotion.
0: Look, uh, as a parent, I've seen the transition from focus on IQ and creating smart humans to EQ. Bingo. Yeah. And and I I I started writing a paper that I haven't finished publishing yet around this whole topic of where we were focusing on the ability to do one plus one equals two versus is this person happy or sad? And I think that, again, comes back to where the key value to humanity for these types of technologies, or all the technologies in general, You know, I mean, the automobile made it easier to get from point A to point B. The airplane makes it even easier. We get big ships and can move things around us to get from the point A to point B. When we think about technology, it needs to essentially focus on and gravitate around humanities. Totally, um, it comes back
1: to, yeah. that was probably my biggest, you know, from Ginny's was that point, yeah. come back to humanity. Yeah. And in many respects, yeah. AI, you know, is a huge driver to fostering that, to be able to cut through, you know, special interests, yes. moneyed interests. Yes. This this is exciting
0: Absolutely. for us. And and as you said, more, you know, particularly in my backyard in Australia, the, the NDIA, the National Disability Insurance Agency who run the National Disability Insurance Scheme, as you said, they've got a pilot program of... Five hundred thousand people who either have a mental disability or a physical disability. Yes. And look, even if you've had a fight with a forklift and lost your left arm, uh, typing into a computer is not easy. Right. You know, you're hand pecking. To exactly. be to interact with a familiar face and a familiar voice uh, and, a, and a vocab and a language that's that's common to you uh, completely removes that whole challenge. We, we last year at World of Watson, I, I'm sure you remember this. We got to interact with Pepper. The, right. the robot, right? That's right. And there are a lot of comments that I thought were unfairly negative around the limitations of Pepper because people are asking things like, you know, do you love me whatever. But it turns out that the Hilton network uh, are, are working with IBM and, and, and I think it's EY to roll out tens of thousands of these around their hotels because they don't want you to have a conversation as how do I feel, but it's where's the nearest bathroom? How mm-hmm. do I get an extra towel? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it comes back to the human component of how, do, how does technology help me, right? Um, and, and I think we're at the exciting cusp of when we might actually see, as you said, you know, not just delivering on the cognitive piece in your interest, but in technology delivering on the promise as a whole to, to humanity. Exactly. And then, so between the
1: you know, in the financial services that I spoke about, in yeah. healthcare, well, this is a healthcare example, but it's bringing in that 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 emotional intelligence with the humanity, which Absolutely. I think is just. Wonderful. And
0: let's face it, if you don't have health and you don't have money, you can't look after yourself or anyone else. <laughs> Indeed. So mindful of time, because yes. uh, we're aiming to keep this within half an hour. A um, couple of last quick ones, and I'm going to ask you for kind of your, your medium-term view of what's over the horizon. Um, we've heard about the Watson data platform. We've heard about Watson machine learning, in particular data management and data governance, which is becoming more and more of a challenge. Um, there was a great line yesterday where you know we, the reality check is, Governance and regulatory compliance is only going to com- increase and get more complex. It's not going to decrease. And I have a question to throw to you in a minute. That and particularly in the integration of how to open Spark and 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 the data science experience, um, with data governance um, and, and and built built around the team collaboration challenges and the promise of cognitive computing. In particular, you you, uh, you gave me the quote of AI and the future of work. Um, data governance in particular I see is a really big challenge because when we put everything into a database we can control it Uh, when we put it into a data lake we lose a little bit of control but we gain flexibility. When we go from the data lake to bursting to machine language engines to cognitive engines like Watson we're sort of taking subsets of the data or metadata out into another place and then bringing it back. Um, I'd really love to get your insights and, 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 and views and opinions on what that means to data governance and how we kind of even just grasp the concept of, of allowing some of our data to go to another place, whether it's to a, a public cloud offering of machine learning on, on the likes of IBM's Bluemix and, and, and Data Watson platform. Um, what does that look like? I mean, how, how do we explain to people what that means to apply controls and data governance to, to data we're allowing to move to places we really haven't experienced before and probably don't have design patterns for?
1: Right. And there was an interesting slide, I forget from who, that presented uh, at one of the... Uh, the, the uh, general sessions in terms of the hybrid cloud how that's like dominating you know uh, going forward yeah so so I really think it's you know as if we take that metric of 80% hybrid cloud I think that's really going to be data governance for that rather than Prem and, yeah. and, and and public you really don't you know you're depending on the cloud vendor yeah. so it's gonna send some combinatorial you know uh, instantiation of that um, and I think blockchain is clearly uh, it's dialed a right in there. Yeah. It's a game changer. Blockchain will be embedded into it. I'm not a blockchain expert. I keep up it as much as possible. But you know that's fundamentally, uh, you know, just like you do smart contracts, yeah, why yeah. can't you do smart data governance? Is my question.
0: Well, in fact, yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned smart contracts So the concept of a smart contract really is just a control mechanism, right? Correct. And it's being logged. And in fact, uh, my, my view on this, um, on what you touched on that, uh, is that, Blockchain's probably a technology, like cognitive computing, that people won't necessarily interact directly with. Right. It'll just be built into the engine. It'll be built into the engine. Absolutely. I I don't really want to know about TCP or DNS and domain name lookups. It's just there. I type in the URL, it converts it to a number. Um, So no, I think you've hit on a really good point there. And
1: the other correlate to that, Des, is is again, I really think that, uh, you know, like Milo is an AI as a service infrastructure. So basically, the whole point of that is a is a is an overlay, a cognitive fabric overlay. Right. It's not, it's not requiring you to. It's assuming that the data lives where it is. We're just overlaying it, and then you know, we can tease out, you know, the um, you know things like uh, you know temporal, you know, contextual progression to be able to. You know, better understand the context of actions and, and yeah. content. Yeah. And to me, it's kind of a new form of data governance on the fly that yeah. really kind of dovetails with, oh, wow, that means I don't have to do you know, data mining and analysis. It's like, it's like embedded like blockchain yeah. into the process, yeah. which I think is really exciting stuff.
0: And I think it drives us to a point where, effectively, data is going to have to be self-describing in many ways. You Correct. Know? Um, you know, we sort of have things like JSON and XML and pocket files Right. Who who kind of you know when you look at the data it describes itself, and we did that from the schema point of view so we could sort of have schema free business intelligence. Actually, um, to I that point, that to I did. Data.
1: I just talk about the beauty of coming to these conferences. I was wearing a uh, a Chimera.ai shirt yesterday <laughs> right. when before we went out to do the the our our contribution to the uh, to the uh, feeding uh, thing. Um, and stumbled at a wine bar. This guy said, Camara, I know that thing, Camara. And, he, and he, I says, yeah, we were at AR World last year. And he says, well, let me, let me show you what we're doing. And as far as uh, new, the data self-describing, he showed me a hypergraph architecture. They are working with uh, IBM. Right. Right. And I was very, very impressed. And he's, this is where you can, mer- wow. self-describing, where they can take entities and concepts and understand the relationships and semantic bindings between it. Very impressive stuff. Ah, oh, that's so a brave that, new world
0: in that, itself, right? Yes, it is. Wow, yes, self-describing
1: it is. data. Yes.
0: So, to wrap up quickly, um, I'd like to throw at you my favorite pun. Um, what's on the horizon for the rest of 2017? I think trying to go beyond that is just, you know, it's, it's a very yes. difficult challenge. But for the rest of this year, with, with what we've seen so far, um, you know, off the top of your head, what what do you think, um, is on the horizon for the next sort of six to twelve months for, for, for not just folk here, but outside of this. With what we've seen around the Watson Data Platform, the BlueMix Cloud, cognitive, data first, um, right? So
1: I think you know we're seeing you know uh, it, deep learning really being the, the dominant you know form. I, I'm very excited about transfer learning. So transfer learning, which all the big players are doing right now, as more and everybody's all the big players are open sourcing. You know their engines out there, but transfer learning is where you can you know train your data and supervise and and then take that and apply it to a different domain. Because remember we ho- we heard here, right? You want to go deep and wide in terms right. of the domain. So yeah. if you have methods like transfer learning, you you can you can you can actually stand up these in, or embedded you know machine intelligence systems a whole lot you know a whole lot faster. One one of the things I'm looking uh, for you know strong improvement. Is uh, is uh, unsupervised learning. Right. So most of the work today is supervised, you know, like I just described there. But um, but unsupervised learning is where machines can infer what they don't know, and and that's exciting because um, really, if to really build a, you know intelligent systems, well, that's where the algorithm kind of learns on its own. Right. And th- there are some negative sides. You know, there's been some you know posts regarding well, if you Factor in bias into the yeah. the machine learning algorithms, you're going to get biased algorithms. And there's been studies, like in a beauty contest, that particular algorithm mm. uh, chose mostly white Caucasians as the winners. Right. right yeah. That's, That's a an no brainer, Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so pretty serious consequences. Serious consequences. So, yeah. but I think that the unsupervised learning for really complex problem sets where um, this, the, the training is, mm. is kind of like one-dimensional, you can kind of go multi-dimensional. Yeah. So I'm very, very keen, very keen on, that, on that effort for progression in, 20, in 2017. One of my favorite things that I say is that when you're getting into... Uh, when we cra- And we're not there now. If you can actually uh, crack transitive reasoning, and this is what humans do naturally, yeah. is that they can maintain context from one subject to the next, that is really killer. And that's where that's where you really can start to manifest intelligent AI that can interact
0: with you in a very natural, fluid way. What a fantastic point to leave on transfer reasoning because uh, yeah, I think you know that when we when we interact with our current smartphones, we talk to the phone, not with the phone. Correct. So I think that's great. Transfer reasoning. I think we need to do a blog on that. Transitive. Transitive reasoning there transitive you go. reasoning, Sorry, thanks for me. It was me. transfer learning and transitive reasoning. Gotcha, perfect. We're gonna to have to blog those. Steve Adiri, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you, and I've had a fantastic time hanging out with you and the, and the team here uh, at um, IBM's uh, InterConnect 2017 in Las Vegas. Um, thanks for your time, and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you, Des. It's been wonderful, and I agree with your comments. It's been a wonderful event. We have. Thank you very much, Steve.